all things cannabis and the journey towards embracing its potential. Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm Kimberly Ewing. I'm your host tonight on The Sages Among Us. And with me tonight is Gary Bowman. Uh, He is no stranger to Nevada County or to the music scene or to many industries here. He's a trained singer, a songwriter. He even has 12 CDs of original tunes, which we will talk about later. He's been such a man of jack of all trades, a factory worker, a restaurant cook, a newspaper reporter, photography and feature writer. Construction worker, campus cop, a farmer, firefighter, helicopter crewman and medic, fire truck driver, zookeeper, and more. Recently, Gary began a career in education in 1987 that brought him eventually up to Nevada County as the principal of Grizzly Hill School on the Ridge in 2000. He is now a current member of the Celebrations Arts Team at Twin Cities Church. He plays music for local events like Victorian Christmas and venues like the Nevada County Fairgrounds and even play the banjo for the No Mind protest at this year's Nevada City Mardi Gras Parade. Welcome, Gary. How are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling great, and thank you for letting me uh, join in on the dialogue. (laughs) Well, we're so happy to have you here, Gary. And when we talk about sages, it's, it's about people in our community that move us that inspire us and just off the air talking to Gary I'm so glad you're on the show tonight that um, being an educator myself but also being in music myself and with you being a songwriter and a producer of this incredible music you will talk about it just brings the sages right home to everybody who's listening so thank you for coming on the show Um, one of the first things that we do Gary is we kind of find the man behind it all and how we do that is we kind of start with your human interest story so for example i'm hearing the background music do you hear that i hear the ocean i know i'm hoping I like it. i'm not sure where that's coming from but that sounds amazing um what this actually comes to uh one of gary's songs but first i want to ask about your childhood could you tell me a little bit about your childhood where did you grow up and where were you raised? I was born uh, on March Air Force Base in Riverside, California, where my dad was stationed. And uh, shortly afterwards, moved to St. Louis, Missouri. I always kind of had this um, desire to return to California, but it would be approximately 20 years later. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. And um, we were in Northwest County, a developing area of St. Louis. And uh, bolstered by the presence of McDonnell Douglas aircraft, uh, all the schools there were really anxious and eager to train up a bunch of young engineers who could help us win the space race. Oh, yeah. Which was not the direction I went, but um, it was a highly academic uh, school district that I was in, and uh, certainly it was a, a solid education. 
Were um, you the only kid in the family, Gary? No, no. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a brother two and a half years older than I am. Okay. So. That's always fun. So two brothers in the family. That's right. He is uh, affectionately known as Sunny Boy, and I would be <laughs> Baby Boy. Aww. <laughs> Are you in good relations with him? Yeah, we're, we we speak a lot, and I'll be going out to visit next month, and uh, he's still in St. Louis. Aww. and uh, So, you know, that's one of the, the great blessings of the last few years is as my mom gets older and is in need of a little more attention that um, we're spending more time together. And, yeah. And working through things. Are you the only one on the West Coast then? That is correct. Uh huh. Yes. A Midwesterner coming, coming west. Coming west. Yeah, <laughs> love it out here. Well, the we, Golden State. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, when you were younger, one of the fun questions is, what was one of your favorite toys or hobbies when you were growing up? Um, well, I'm going to mention a couple of them here, if I could. Yeah. Because growing up in St. Louis, I loved playing baseball. And uh, in St. Louis, you can't get within like 500 miles without <laughs> running into a St. Louis Cardinal fan because oh. because actually they had a network, KMOX, that would broadcast the greatest distance. Ah. So the Cardinals had a lot of fans. Mm. So my buddies and I would get and we'd play baseball every day. <laughs> and if we weren't playing baseball, we'd just get on our bicycles and tootle down to the Mississippi River or the Missouri River with the admonishment of our, our mothers who would say, quite simply, be home before dark. Exactly. Those were the good old days, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, before cell phones. Right. It's like... Be home before dark. Be home before dark. That's it. That was your. <laughs> that was it. That was the one control. How wonderful. And so that's... I love that baseball story. When you talk about your childhood, Gary, um, and being a sage in your life, is there someone that you can think of or something that was instrumental in your life or an informative years that really stands out that... Maybe there was a positive role model or something that really ha- stood out in, in your life that made you feel like who you are today. I, I'd say I, I have a long list of these people. How much yeah. time do we have? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Maybe think of a couple. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with my mom and dad. Yeah. Because um, we were a traditional nuclear middle class working family. Yep. And my, point, my parents always were a great source of support and inspiration they taught me to finish everything I started, including the food on my plate, and instilled a strong work ethic in me. Yeah. And, um, and those things have stuck with me through the years, and hopefully those are instilled in, in our daughters as well. Mm-hmm. And they also supported my artistic and musical endeavors equally. So. Right. I mean, if you think about your work ethic, look at all the positions and careers and roles that you've played in your life and then also being a musician, songwriter. It, it seems like it's all come together really nicely for you, Gary. Nice life, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Not without challenges. Well, like for him. sure. <laughs> I'm, that's one thing. You know, when you look back, thinking about your lifetime, is there... Um, can you think of a point, maybe there was a challenging point, a pinpoint point in your life or a challenge or a watershed moment that makes you say, this changed my life or this trajectory changed the way I thought about things? Is there anything that like that for you? Yeah, I think there was something pretty big for me. Um, when I first came to California, <clears throat> you know, I, in, I started in Los Angeles and realized, well, that's not really for me. Came up north, worked in the Bay Area for a few years. And then uh, one of my friends who had been a, a firefighter on the East Coast um, had moved out here and went up north into the north country and got uh, on with the Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, CDF. Right. Now it's CAL FIRE. 
and said, you know, Gary, you would really love firefighting. And I was a young man, single, and I said, yeah, let's, let's do this thing. Mm. So I went up uh, to Mendocino County, became a firefighter with CAL FIRE, CDF, and um, ended up in a community of 1,500 people. And, and that's when the sense of community really uh, got on my radar. Yeah. And I embraced the opportunities in a small community. Everywhere you look, there's a place to, to drop in and help out. And sometimes it's just neighbor to neighbor, and sometimes it's one organization or the other. Um, this community, by the way, was uh, what we jokingly say, ranchers, no, it was cowboys, Indians, and hippies. It was actually uh, a lot of ranchers. Mm. It was the home of the state's largest Indian reservation. And there were a lot of folks who came out to that area in the early 70s as part of the Back to the Land movement. Oh, good. So okay. it, it was a very diverse community in that way. And there were so many ways to serve. And um, I'd say for years, I didn't know the meaning of the word no. Uh, somebody said, hey, could you help this or that? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. I can do this. I can do that. And for me, it was like I, just, I loved working with all the different uh, people, the different organizations, learning new skills, and feeling like I was making a difference. Yeah, yeah. and it talks about when you got into firefighting, it might have been that switch of like, wow, this is a rewarding job. It's challenging, but it, I get so much back from it. Would you say that was one thing that changed for you? It's like you saw that, and that changed your trajectory maybe because that's when maybe well, you eventually got into education yeah, too, well, well, that's giving a, back. That's a great <laughs> thought, and what comes to mind is um, on some of these major fires that we were on, we'd be leaving, mm -hmm. and as the fire engine pulled out of the area, there'd be big signs saying, thank you, firefighters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, we're just, we're doing our job. Right. There's nothing but special you're saving about lives. what we're doing. <laughs> and houses, you know, and now more than ever, don't we so love our firefighters, right? Oh, Especially yeah. during this time of year where Absolutely. we're like, ah. So I love that story. And that brings me to and the next part, um, Gary, is like, how did you arrive in Nevada County? Now, I know this question. I know the answer because I heard it and I read it in your bio. You got into education, but maybe tell us in your way, in your words, how did you get into education and how did you get to Nevada County? Okay. Um, you know, it was interesting. My mother-in-law, actually, um, she said to me one time, and I was, you know, I, at that time I was dating her daughter, Amy. Uh, yeah. This and is your wife of 38 my, years? My wife of 38 years. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Amy. And, <laughs> and she said, you know, you're really great working with kids. Well, I coached Little League, and I gave private music lessons. And nice. Yeah, I seemed to work well with kids. And um, it was kind of a controversial decision because I did leave firefighting oh, and got into education. Right. But in terms of family, I think that was really a great call because, as you know, teachers have a lot more opportunity to spend time with their families uh, than firefighters do. Right. So, right. so anyway, made that uh, transition, went back to college, got my teaching credential, got a job in the same community. Amy and I got married and mm. started a family, and I taught there for 10 years before I was demoted um, into the principalship. <laughs> I love that you say demoted. <laughs> 
Although that's a leader, no, Gary. And I have some great, I have some great <laughs> friends. That's a leadership who, role. Who are principals out here? And no. um, I know. It. I know what you're saying, though. Because I get it. I always felt the closer we are to the kids, to the cause, the more we're in the trenches, the more rewarding the job For is. For sure. And I'm a, I'm a principal role in, in a role in my life now, and I'm all, this is not as fun. This is not as much fun. <laughs> but it actually <laughs> but it's important. is. It's, it's important. Yes. And you want somebody who can do a great job to be there. For someone, sure. Someone leading with the right values. Right. And help manage everything working like a fine-oiled machine. Oh, absolutely. You know, principals are hard. It's a hard job. It's so. a hard job, and I mean, not... It's not for everybody. No, it isn't. But this that brings me to how you got to Nevada County. Oh. Yes. You, yeah. you in 2000 came to the Ridge. To the Ridge. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, I had played music at the Bluegrass Festival out here a mm-hmm. few times in the 90s, so I was familiar with Grass Valley. Uh, Amy and I had both looked at moving, and the two places we really liked were... Sonora and Grass Valley. Oh, and so both foothill towns. Both foothill towns. Mm-hmm. And when uh, I was invited to apply for the position at Grizzly Hill, it's like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And I remember driving up. Um, I don't remember now if it's Tyler Foot Road, but just driving up there and dropping down and looking at Grizzly Hill. And it's like, pinch me. This place is beautiful. Yeah. And I came up there, interviewed. I was hired. And the uh, the Ridge community really embraced me, and they were just wonderful um, to work with. And they also taught me a lot about community because, you mm-hmm. know, the small rural areas, number one, the school is generally the focus of community. Yes, right. And number two, it's a great opportunity to realize that a lot of the great stuff that gets done is because people jump in and do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Just do it, as they say. Yeah, and I mean, and at this point, um, I'm going to just say you're listening to KVMR 89.5 FM. We're talking to Gary Bowman, one of our sages tonight on the Sages Among Us. And Gary has so many hats that he's worn. He's he's a sage by just his experience of saying yes. Yes and, right, Gary? And one thing I love about this part of the show is talking about how you got to Nevada County through education, through giving back to your community, um, by inspiring and touch, you know, t- giving feelings and being in touch with children in the community on the ridge. I'm thinking about why, why does, why does giving back give us so much? That's something about volunteerism, about be- building community. What is it that that gives us so much more love and attention and uh, feeling of satisfaction? When we do give out into our community, what, that you're a philosophical man. Tell me, tell me why you think. <laughs> um, what do uh, you get uh, back from it? Can I get philosophical? Yes, a little bit. So one of the, the concepts I've been playing with a lot lately and talking with a lot of friends about is a whole idea of contentment. Mm. And just now, the way you phrased that, I was thinking, you know, the thing is, when we find our, our value and our personal worth in... And the money that we earn and things like that, those are really pretty external. And I don't know that we'll ever be satisfied or fulfilled when our focus is on the money that we earn. Sure. And so you take that out of the equation. And now what we're looking at is what is the experience that we're having um, 
where, how do we derive our satisfaction out of what we do? Right. How are we fulfilled? And I think that's what volunteers discover because now money, payment, reward is out of the picture. Right. And now we're focused on the things that are really important. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. We were talking about Mother Teresa earlier and it's like, she, she was a remarkable person and she was all in to serve those who were in the most need of, mm-hmm. of a loving, compassionate person to attend to their needs. Right. And so maybe that's what we all want to do. We want to find that level of fulfillment and um, without distraction. Without the distraction of whatever else is involved with doing the what, work. Whatever yeah. else it is. There can be a lot of things that can yeah. uh, distract us from our our focus. I think that's a really good way to say it too, because I know when I'm feeling down or if I'm feeling frustrated with what's going on in the world, you know, if I just give a part of my time, a part of my ear for listening, a part of my hugs to people, you do this outreach and it does really fill you up. It really does give to those and give to yourself. And that's, that's what it's all about. I think. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll share one, one quick story. Yeah. And, uh, I've had the opportunity to play at various homeless shelters and yeah. gatherings. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, actually one in, um, Granite Bay. And we had a full band, full country rock band. And we got on the stage and we played <laughs> and uh, a lot of folks have been bust in. They were going to be to hear you. No, well, no, they didn't come to hear us. They uh, came to have a meal and uh, have showers and, yeah. and so on. But we played the music. And then after we finished playing, we sat down with with everybody there and just broke bread together. Yeah. And I, I to this day, I remember the, the guy next to me just saying, you know, we haven't been treated like this for a long time. Mm. And that got me to thinking. He's talking about the fact that we're trying to really do something special. We have the music, we have the food, there's the showers. And I just said, yeah, and you know you're worthy mm-hmm. of this type of treatment, to mm-hmm. be treated and to be respected. And, um, you know, Utah spoke about that so eloquently also about the dignity of man. Right. And how there's no one who is not worthy of having that level of respect and dignity. And so um, as... Serving in that capacity where you can be aware that you're making a difference, even just for that moment, who knows where it goes from there. But in that moment, it's very fulfilling and satisfying. And I think that's what drives volunteers, because we all have those moments in some way, shape or form. Right. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And, and you know. I think stepping out of ourselves sometimes out of selflessness allows us to see things differently. Like if you were working with some people that are without homes or kids with, you know, disabilities or whatever, it's like you step outside your comfort zone, but it, it fulfills you and fills you up so much. You want to continue to do it. Sure. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Right. Well, well spoken. <laughs> well, and this might be important because. I mean, sometimes we're kind of filled with dread. Right. And it can be hard. Because it's the unknown. We know we're going to be challenged. uh, And yet we also, I think, know intuitively that we're going to grow through those experiences. Of course. And be better people. Absolutely. When you grow, you know, 
that's all good things for us. So, Gary, on that note, being a sage, tell me a little bit about um, what what do you see is something that you would still like to see in our town in regards to accomplishments or another aspect of your life? Is there still something else, maybe not on your bucket list because you said you didn't have one, but like <laughs> meaning like is there something else that you are, you know, that's percolating for you as a volunteer, as a sage, as a, as a person here in Nevada yeah. County? Let me start by saying there are so many things that really lift my spirit, bring me joy, mm. uh, including the renovation on Mill Street. I know. Isn't I it that. delightful? And to see, you know, musicians <laughs> sitting out there. Busking away. Busking away. <laughs> and, um, and part of it is coming out of COVID when we had the lockdown. For and, sure. You know, we were driving to Mill Street and doing pickup. But now it's well populated with people and community coming together. When I see the low rent housing uh, being built, that excites me. When I see Utah's place, that excites me. When I see, um, you know, Rational Animal and some of these other animal welfare organizations that are, uh, well, one of the ones I really love is where there's foster dog owners. Or yes, they're foster parents, foster parents waiting to, for yeah. them to be adopted. I mean, these are all such spectacular things that we are doing. And so, you know, I guess I would say more of it. Yeah, more please. And, and, that, <laughs> and that, in my mind, Kim, is what yeah. makes Grass Valley and Nevada City such a special place because there is a can-do attitude and there are movers and shakers working behind the scenes. Well, you don't know who these guys are. I'll mention one last one, and I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but... Um, we live down, down the street from where the, the mine was oh, yeah, proposed, the, 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 the Idaho-Maryland yes. mine reopening. Right, And we were right. concerned about the creek because it runs right across the street from us. We were concerned about the noise pollution. There's a lot of concerns. The, the toxins and so on. Yeah. And I, it, in my mind, this is spectacular to see how the community really came together and in a very civil, eloquent, and educated intellectual manner address the issue and and I, I'm very proud of of the team the coalition that really stated the case for not reopening the mine mm-hmm. yeah and from what I remember you played some music at oh. one of the <laughs> events just to inspire people because music inspires and moves people right I mean that's one thing I want to make sure we talk about Gary is is your music your your music and what you bring to your music can you tell me a little bit about how that all started for you? Where did music come into your life? Yeah, my uh, dad played guitar and sang. He was with a group called the Electra Airs. Okay. <laughs> I think he started it when he was in the Air Force. Yeah. And he loved the uh, the Ink Spots, Mills Brothers. Nice. And, and that sort of sound, which I grew up on. Yeah. But when I was about 10 or so, he taught me how to play the guitar, taught me the G-string boogie. I love that. So it, you saw it through your father, and then he showed you how. And to this day, I, you know, I remember him. My mom would be in the kitchen cooking away, and my dad would be on the couch just drumming and singing. Yeah. And uh, those were great memories. Great. But I've been playing guitar ever since then. When I came to California, um, I started performing as soon as I came out here. Which is, you know, it, there's, one, there's a difference, Gary, between just playing your music and then performing what made you go that giant step of performing i mean something must have sparkled in you and said well, yes i'm gonna get go. out there and perform cousin jack <laughs> franklin because i was living in the bay area and i wanted to learn how to play flamenco guitar i'd studied nice. classical in college a little bit i wanted to learn flamenco so i went out to the coast and cousin jack franklin 
was a great flamenco player. Um, but he also played old-timey music and played parties and wherever. And um, after about half a dozen lessons, I think he determined that I didn't really have much potential as a flamenco player. <laughs> and he said, so, Gary, you play banjo, don't you? And oh, I, there it is. I said, yeah. He says, okay, we're going to Fisherman's Wharf next weekend. <laughs> and so he taught me how to busk. Okay. I go into Fisherman's Wharf. And Excellent. Back in those days, there was the human jukebox who played the trumpet. There was the grand piano on the flatbed. Oh. It was really alive with uh, music. With people on the streets playing music. Yep. Yeah. And so he got me actually into performance. And so that was your first, you know, shot out of the gate. You're like, I'm going to do this on the wharf and see how it goes. And you loved it. And it was fun. Yeah. How amazing. Um, and now you have 12 CDs. I mean, I have a song I'm hoping to play just a little bit um, while we talk. The one question I we're running out of time, if you can believe that, Gary. But one thing I'd love for you to do is if you could wave a magic wand over our area, what would you change or improve? Think about that as I try to play this music. Um, this is from Gary's latest CD called Song of the Earth. And this song is called New Earth. Let's see if I can do it. Yeah, this actually has four ukuleles um, in it. Concert, soprano, and several tenors. It's a gorgeous song. If I song. had a magic wand, like I say, more of it. Uh, bottle what we have because it's special. We never want to take it for granted. And at the same time, I would hope that I never fail to see the potential of an area like this. Yeah. Grand Island, Nevada City. Because there's more we can do. There is. There's so much. And there's more people we can invite to the party, you know? More people we can say, have you ever considered volunteering? Have you ever thought of joining me? Exactly. And, you know, sometimes there's a bigger step that we need to take to figure out where those opportunities lie. And sometimes they're staring us right in the face and it just takes us to say, well, why wouldn't I jump in? Right. Why wouldn't I do that? Right. Because that truly makes a difference in the community. Yeah. This is a great song, Gary. This is called New Earth. What was the inspiration for this song? Well, the song before it is uh, Stars Over Antarctica, Lullaby for Ukraine, which is a little bit heavier. And I wrote that on the night when the shelling began in oh, Ukraine. Yeah. And so that was song number 12. I wanted to come off with a song that was a little bit reflective, but maybe had a sense of hope embedded yeah, in I the music. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, I hear it. It's very nice. So it's kind of a reflective piece. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. We are nearly out of time. I can't believe it, Gary. But one thing I thought, um, when we talk about all the community organizations in our town and, and outside in Northern California, because you've done a lot of work in Sacramento. You've done a lot of work everywhere. Um, one thing, and you're so family-focused, I don't want to not have you mention your family. Tell us a little bit about your family and the love that you bring with them. Yeah, well, I have three daughters. Uh, three daughters. Kids, Sarah and Laura. They're all in their 30s now. <gasps> wow. And uh, they've provided artwork for a lot of my CD projects. They're all artists. I love that. Um, they're all so different in terms of, well, as a parent, I think we could all say our, our kids all kind of find their own way. Yeah. And, and that's what I value about them. They're all uniquely their own person. 
Uh, my wife, Amy, is very creative. She's a painter. That's right. You said she has a educator. studio in town. Well, and during COVID, we used the opportunity, she used the opportunity to um, develop a pottery studio. Oh, wow. And so even as we speak right now, she just turned off the kiln. She's got three <laughs> bird baths that are cooling off. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I love bird baths. That's amazing. Well, and also thinking about um, another thing that's inspiring as a sage is tell us, we have a few minutes or just a minute or two to talk about your recent 25-mile hike along the Lost Coast on in Northern California. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Well, it it's... Uh, I guess we'll call it a wild stretch of coastline that extends south from Matoll to Shelter Cove. Right. So I first did that a couple years ago, and um, and then I had friends who wanted to do it the next year. <laughs> so I said, okay. And then this past spring, uh, my wife Amy and one of her longtime girlfriends and her husband wanted us to do it again. And so I said, sure. And it's just a remarkable stretch of coastline. You have to look at your tide tables really carefully. I bet you do. There's about three points there where you're limited in when you can cross right. certain areas. But it's just so rewarding to get away for four days and just to see the beauty of the ocean and to experience the different um, uh, topographies there. When did you go? What time of year? Well, I've gone twice in the fall, okay. September, October, and then this year we went in, I believe it was May. Okay, yeah. lovely. Wow. And you, and you ha do have to get online, yep. get your permits. Right. But it is so rewarding. I highly recommend it. Kim, let me know when you're ready to go. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to bug you for that. Um, uh, you know, we are running out of time, Gary. Is there any last-minute moments, any thoughts that you want to share as being our sage tonight? We so appreciate you and what you bring to our community. Yeah, before we went on air, we were talking about how sometimes, you know, one event or another can alter our lives forever. And um, however, however it happened that led us to Grass Valley, my family is really appreciative. This is a very special place, and we're just blessed to be here. And um, let's, let's keep it going. Thank you so much. Sage is among us. Thank